Justin. Hi, Jim. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. Uh, this is Jim English, and welcome to the Who Gives a Shit Files. And we have a special guest today, Justin Ingram, who is a huge Golden State Warrior fan. And we are talking NBA basketball. So, Justin, why don't you introduce yourself, tell the audience a bit about yourself and your history with the Warriors, please. All right. Well, I am uh, Justin Ingram, as you've heard earlier, and I am from the area. So uh, the Warriors just kind of came with the territory. I will admit my Warriors fandom has grown exponentially since Steph Curry was drafted, but I think that's to be a little bit expected, as much fun as Baron Davis was. Um, and, you know, it's been, a, it's been a great run. It's definitely a, a fandom that keeps me and my dad talking every day, even though he uh, sometimes even ignores me with all the takes I have. Uh, but I would say my favorite Warriors experience was I got to go to Game 7 against her when we came back 3-1 um, the year that LeBron ended up beating us in Game 7. Uh, and, you know, getting to be at that game was one of the last playoff games at Oracle was an amazing experience. That was – I remember that game because I thought that that uh, Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant and I think James Harden was gone by then. I thought they were going to bury Golden State. But I remember in that last game that Clay Thompson caught fire, right? He did, and, and there's a there's a YouTube video that shows all of his threes from that game and also game six, and it's unbelievable. I, I don't remember if it was that game or game six, but there was one shot around three minutes left where he shot a three from the logo while we were down, and that was before, you know, Trey Young and all these other players were shooting from the logo. Um, so that, that's my favorite Warriors. Uh, big time Clay three in that game, because – we as Warriors didn't know if we were going to make it out yet either. We weren't quite a dynasty at that point. So that was a, that was a big series. So you go back to the Baron Davis days, huh? You know, I go back to the Baron Davis days a little bit. But, you know, I was a baseball player in Little League before I realized I might on academics. Uh, and uh, I didn't really get into the Warriors until around middle school. So a little bit after the We Believe teams, if you remember those days. I do remember those days. And I have to tell you that, you know, I'm a huge Laker fan, so I've got a lot of prejudice towards Lakers, although <laughs> my story right now is very woeful. And the future looks even worse than the present does. So I have done several podcasts on the pathetic, reprehensible scandalous state of what is now the Lakers. So I am going to be, I am actually a Warriors fan. And I have to tell you, and excuse me, Justin, if I call you Brandon Ingram, because I've been, <laughs> I've been doing so many NBA podcasts lately. And I talk a lot about Brandon Ingram, who, by the way, the Lakers gave up for nothing for Anthony Davis. But I have to tell you, I love the Lake. I love Golden State ever since they got Jerry West involved in what they're doing. You know, that, I think that was the secret. I think we gave him away to the Clippers or some team recently. I think he's moving around advising new people. But 
Back to Brandon Ingram for a second. That's a good catch. I actually have a, an Ingram Lakers jersey in my closet because there's not too often you get somebody with your last name that makes it to the NBA. No, and also, too, is you got one. Now, do you have an Ingram jersey that is – I can't remember the guy's name. He's a football player with yeah, a last name Mark of Ingram. Ingram. There was Mark Ingram and there was Melvin Ingram. And uh, I think that's the extent of famous Ingrams I know in the world. See, well, now with this podcast, Justin Ingram will become a household name. <laughs> Perfect. But back to the Jerry West thing, he really was the, the secret behind it. I know he was the one that pushed for the Monte Ellis trade uh, to get Bogut. And I know he was like a strong believer in Clay and Draymond. And, you know, if you had to pick a general manager for the Lakers right now, would you pick Jerry West, Magic Johnson, or LeBron James? I would pick Jerry West. I mean, he's the only guy. You haven't liked LeBron James' general managership recently? Oh, God. It's, it's odd. The worst thing that ever happened to Lakers was was uh, LeBron James. Uh, yeah, he got a title, but that was an aberration. But listen to the who the Lakers have gotten rid of. So they've gotten rid of Brandon Ingram, all-star. They gave away Julius Randle, all-star. Um, D'Angelo Russell, all-star. And then sixth man of the year, Jordan Clarkson. They gave away a very good, um, let's see, what what is his name? Larry Nance Jr. I mean, they've Caruso. got uh, Caruso. God, I love Caruso. He's ferocious on defense. He plays so hard. I mean, the Lakers are a bunch of idiots. They're you a know bunch what of I was idiots. thinking? You know, this really, I've been thinking about this the other day, about why do the Miami Heat have, like, why does that team have so much depth? And I think the secret to what the Heat do that a team like the Lakers and the Knicks just don't have the patience for, which is wait six months when they're a free agent. You know, when you think about all the problems the Lakers made, if they had just waited six more months for Anthony Davis to be a free agent, they could have had Anthony Davis LeBron with Ingram and Lonzo on the side. And they would have had a little bit of room yeah. to make Caruso too. So I think oh, the problem is all these teams and these big markets, there's so much pressure on them to make these monster trades. If you know that the star is going to leave, just wait for them to leave. I think well, that's the real issue. I, I absolutely agree. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, Justin, here we go, is that you have teams like Golden State, right? that they draft well and they develop course. They're not super teams like the Nets and the idiot Lakers. I mean, you know, so Steph was drafted, what, seventh in the draft? Yep. Clay Thompson was drafted like 12th. Uh, Draymond Green was the last pick in the second round. And since then, you've added Kominga and Poole and Looney. And all these other players where you develop a culture, you have you, mm-hmm. you get a core of players, you add to them, you have a culture of these really good players that are really stepping up. Same thing in Miami. Like Miami, for example, is last night they had two undrafted players, Max Struess and Gus Vincent. And by the way, this yeah, is Yeah, Vincent, yeah. Yeah, and these are these are fresh on my mind because I did a podcast on it early today. 
earlier today. So these two guys were undrafted. One went to DePaul and one went to UCSB, not exactly basketball powerhouses. And listen to the stats of these two guys, undrafted, who Miami developed them, you know, through player development and their core and their culture. I mean, they had, the two of them had 28 points, six rebounds, five assists, three blocks, two steals, two turnovers. They were plus 35 per game. So when they were in there, their team was 35 35 points better than the Boston Celtics, who who I also hate too. And (laughs) they they were six for 15 from three point line or shot 30%. And that is a cultural development that, just to your point, is you got to let these players develop. And what do you think about, like, the pool and the Kaminga and the Looney and the supplemental players? What do you think of those guys? Yeah, you know, I, I think you're touching on one of my favorite points about the Warriors. And I'll, maybe I'll bring it to another kind of realm that I've been thinking about recently is how we judge the great players in the league is changing. And I think it's starting to change back to where it used to be, where when LeBron went to the heat, he created this super team era and you started to see a lot of teams just join with a whole bunch of free agents that they maybe played on the Olympics team with. And you, they didn't care at all about the six through 12 people on the bench. And I think the best example of that is Durant. You know, Durant left the team to join the Warriors and had a great culture. He plugged into, maybe uh, going a little bit out of bounds here, but he plugged into the Harrison Barnes role and he did great. And then he goes to the Nets. Him and Kyrie and Harden don't take any time to not only mentor, but practice and understand the importance of these role players. And then when they get to the playoffs, they lose. And I think that's what makes Giannis and Curry so great is it's not just the team that is drafting good players. It is that the stars of those teams take the time to understand what makes everybody on their squad great and then pushing them to be a better version of themselves. Uh, Jordan Poole is, is the best example where he was the 29th pick. Last year we sent him down to the G League. But Clay, Draymond, and Curry – were always in his corner. You know, tough love. They weren't always just patting him on the back. They were really showing him the steps that it takes to be great. And it's similar to, you know, myself um, starting off my career. The managers that take the time to care about you, you can grow in and become very, you know, helpful pieces of their team. And the managers that take time to develop the team underneath them, you know, six months down the line, they need something badly and their team hasn't developed the skills to, uh, you know, to finish the job. And I think it's just an interesting thing we're seeing in the NBA where these great players like Curry and Giannis are the best examples I have are really standing out compared to the LeBrons and the Durants and those that like to jump from team to team and don't necessarily care about that culture. So I'm interested to see in the next five years if that starts to become more of a thing if that makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. I think that, you know, I'm going to equate it a little bit to the one and done in college is that there has not been a one and done winning a NCAA championship since Anthony Davis did it in Kentucky. 
All the other ones are, you know, the Villanovas and the Virginias and the Kansases. All they do is they get like four, three, four, and five-star players, and they develop chemistry, and they build a core around it. And the Nets with their super team, what a joke. And the Lakers – and and the Lake – well, first of all, you made a point about Durant, and before we let that escape – that may have been the biggest mistake made by a superstar in basketball history. That's as far as I'm concerned, and I've been following the NBA, I've been following the Lakers since 1960. I'm an old fart. And <laughs> I have to tell you that in all of my days, and I follow basketball every year, okay, that Durant made the biggest mistake in basketball history by leaving the Golden State Warriors, that culture, that core, that selflessness. I mean, they're a, they, they would have been an unbelievable team. He could have flourished there, but, you know, Draymond Green hurt his feelings, so he left. <laughs> I, I could not agree more, and I would love to, you know, talk about this Durant situation because I think most Warriors fans, you know, there was a period of time when everyone – hated us as Warriors fans. And we were always like kind of nudging them and saying, hey, we actually don't like Durant that much either. And everyone's like, oh, you have the super team. We're like, yeah, I know. But we really enjoyed the years when it was just Curry, Clay, and Draymond Moore because what the Warriors represent, I think, to a lot of people in the Bay Area and Kerr too, is this selfless culture of we before. And what Durant did was the most obvious I before we move that we've ever seen. And it's actually, I think, cathartic to see that he gets, he's the only team to be swept in the playoffs this year. And the Warriors have now made it to the, the Western Conference Championship before he has made it to any of them over the last three years. So I think it's representative of the world and like how to be, you know, a, a person um, and a teammate is you got to care. You got to really care yeah. about the people you're with. And, and you don't notice it on the box score afterwards and all the legacies get made. But there's one play they, that a lot of the players talk about with Warriors. And it was like a blowout game at the beginning of the season. And Jordan Poole missed like a backdoor defensive assignment. And Draymond just got in his face about it. And, you know, now we're in the playoffs. How many games are decided by two or three points? It's making sure that your culture fixes those backdoor slides on the defensive side or that triple screen when most teams are doing two screens that frees up clay on the corner. This is when it pays dividends. And, you know, I'm excited to see what what happens. I mean, I think all the teams that are still remaining are all good examples of, you know, teams that work together. So I think we'll get some good basketball out of it. No question about it. And, you know, focusing on the Golden State Warriors, they had the patience to work through a couple of down years when Clay was out and Steph Curry was out, but they stuck to the plan. They stuck to the culture. Kerr is an excellent coach. You know, he, he can manage the egos. He manages the culture. And you're right, you're selfless. You know, Steph Curry, you know, there's a lot of things that you can say about, like, LeBron. He's controversial. 
he bad mouths the police. I mean, it's stupid. It's stupid for, for I think for for athletes to get into politics. It'd be like you know, like you know, Nancy Pelosi trying to play basketball. I mean, they're just not in the same area. But I, you know, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson have had nothing but compliments for each other and compliments to each other on the court. Draymond Green is an enforcer. He's a tough guy. The last pick in the second round of the NBA draft. And they've developed that core. And now they're handing it off to some younger players. I'm assuming you saw the game in, in, uh, in Memphis the other night. Yep. I, unfortunately, I'm on the East Coast, so I've been staying up till 1 a.m. every single Warriors game. So, to see them all. So, they were, I mean, they were terrible for a while. They kept throwing the ball away. But one player that stepped up, I mean, Looney had 21 oh, yeah. rebounds and five assists. I mean, he's a role player, for Christ's sake. He never shoots the ball, and he doesn't have to. But he's in there banging the boards. He does a lot of the dirty work, so Draymond Green doesn't have to do it all. He's a role player. He embraces his role and loves to get the the ball to the shooters. I mean, that is the way. So you don't remember, uh, you know, the early Boston Celtics, which were the first dynasty. Actually, the first dynasty before I was born were the Lakers when they were in Minneapolis. But during my lifetime... Boston had a bunch of players that did the exact same thing that Golden State does is they have their shooters and their shooters shoot. They have their passers and they pass. They have their rebounders and everybody's got a defined role and everybody sticks to it and everybody loves it. And there's no jealousy. It's just, it's, it's the epitome of a team. And that's why you guys have a dynasty going. Yeah, I mean, you're so right, and I think it's why it's sometimes fun to watch. I mean, Wiggins is another great example of someone that the league almost cast off. And there's this big thing with the Warriors when they freak out every time Wiggins gets a smile. He's always so stoic. But Wiggins is a great example of finding someone that a lot of people in the league couldn't understand. They were really difficult and hard on. And Kerr, Curry, and Clay. And Draymond, they never had a bad word to say about Wiggins while he figured himself out the last couple of years. And, you know, when Draymond was out for a little bit, he had a really down time. But here we are in the playoffs, and I've never seen somebody more happy to switch on to the best player. Because it seems like everyone on the Warriors is just dying for the opportunity to advance them in a little incremental way. And I, I, I got to say, it's probably a curse thing. I think it really trickles down from somebody who was a role player himself. You know, you have a lot of coaches like Kerr or Kidd who were the stars. But when you're being coached by someone who was on great teams that was a role player, I think he does an amazing job of making sure the auto porters of the team know that they have a part and they're not going to win without them. Uh, and I think that could be where it comes from. No question about it. And, you know, Andrew Wiggins is an ex- excellent example. I believe he was drafted first, and they expect he was the first pick in the NBA draft probably six years ago or something like that. If he wasn't first, he was a top two or three. They expected him to be a superstar. 
a step up to shine under the spotlight. And that's not really what he does. He is a supplemental player that loves to play defense and he's happy to give the spotlight to, you know, the big three over there, Draymond, Clay, or Steph. And you can write down, you know, you and I can refer, refer to this podcast. You know that, that, that Wiggins is going to average 16 and eight for the series and his worst shooting will be, he'll get 14 points. His best he'll get 20. His most rebounds will be 10. His least rebounds will be six. He is a very consistent player. Plus the fact, this is the way I see, and I'm really anxious to see, to see how you envision the Dallas Golden State series going. But I see Wiggins guarding Luka on the perimeter. I've been thinking a lot about, I mean, let's get into the series. I've been thinking a lot about how they're going to match up because the Mavs are such an interesting team where if you can stop Luka, you can stop everything which makes me think that they're going to put Draymond on him. But I think you're a little bit correct where Wiggins is more on the wings. He's very long and athletic, so he could probably keep up with Luka. And then you're, you can have Draymond play more of a free safety roaming uh, position, which I think he kind of does best. But I think it'll be between those two um, that are tasked with defending him because – He's just going to bully the rest of the team. I mean, I don't want to see a Luka on pool situation. That's, well, I think <laughs> they should rate that R. That shouldn't be allowed to be viewed by kids. I think it's you know, it would be a, it would be prosecuted by the <laughs> war tribunals. You know, put him on tri- war crimes trial with Putin here. But uh, so so, but what? Here's what I see. So when Luca is on the perimeter, okay. It'll be Wiggins guarding him because I don't I don't think he can blow by Wiggins, okay. But when he is posting up, which he does a lot, because kid Jason Kidd is a really good coach, and this will be an interesting chess match, you know, watching these two coaches Kerr and and Kidd, like how they adjust and you know the the X's and O's as the game goes on, but I. What I see happening is that when Luca tries to post up, it'll be Draymond. Yeah. Okay? Draymond will guard him because he, he won't be able to bully Draymond. And when what concerns me, because I am all in for Golden State. I can't believe a Southern California boy like that. myself. Well, I just, you know, I love the culture. I love what they're doing. I love the – you know, the fact that they didn't panic when they when they were down, that they developed players and, you know, they're they're making I mean, Poole was what'd you say the last pick in the first round or something? I think it was like twenty ninth. He was very late. No one wanted him. Yeah, and look at him. Look at him. And I mean so Lakers passed on him, of course, but they don't do anything right. <laughs> <laughs> but well the thing is is I think if the Lakers had picked him LeBron would have put him in some trade for somebody that was on his like 2004 Olympics team. I know, I know. I mean, it's like, you know, they would. LeBron would have taken Jordan Poole to an old age home and said, "Here, we, you know, 
<laughs> you're in a wheelchair. We'll take you, and you can have Jordan Poole. So, exactly. So, but what I – yeah, I see that happening. So this is what I see, and I'm curious about what, what you're seeing. I think that I think that Clay, who plays really good defense and he's winding in his shape, will make Dinwiddie's life miserable, okay? And when Luka goes into the post, Draymond is going to push him around and they are going to have more than a couple of words through this series. That's going to be wow. – Oh, <laughs> well, you are so right. Because <laughs> both of them like to talk trash. I just – you know, I hope Draymond doesn't get kicked out for, you know, taking a swing or getting too – getting too riled up because he, he does that occasionally. Luca might be the one person that I think could get under Draymond's skin. You know, because Draymond's always been under everybody else's skin. But Luca is that great. I'd be surprised if Draymond is a, like a Serbian dictionary right now or a Slovenian dictionary looking up different chirps <laughs> <laughs> come up with his own language. <laughs> So, so uh, you think that uh, Draymond but, but will be able to say every cuss word in Serbian by the time yeah. this series is over, right? Yeah, before Luca is able to share it with Shaq, uh, I think he'll know all the cuss words. But, you know, back to your question, what I find very interesting about how the Warriors play defense, especially in the playoffs, is a lot of teams, they go, okay, this is their best score. Like Curry, for example, we have to double him. And then the rest of the team is able to score a lot of baskets. I think the Warriors prefer that when teams do it to them. So because of that, they actually play a more normal defensive set where they're okay with the other player going for 40 points. And, and maybe I'm wrong. I, I should look back at the history, but it just feels like it to me. The Warriors seem to always have, like, the stars – like, have amazing games. Like, think about this time. Luca, or not Luca, Jokic getting 35 points and 15 rebounds every single game. Moran averaging over 40 points. And I've heard Draymond say this on a podcast before, and he says, and we used to do it with Harden especially, like, okay, tire yourself out doing all of the work for your team for 30 minutes. But when we get to that third and fourth quarter, we're not going to let you beat us with the other people. You, who is absolutely gassed out of your mind, can you do it this final quarter? Because when we get to the fourth quarter, we're going to start putting five screens on Curry, and he's going to get his points. And you seem too tired to keep up. So my guess is I think you're right with the Wiggins Draymond, like passing each other off. But what I would say is I'm not going to expect many double teams that lead to open Dinwiddie and Brunson threes. I don't think that's how the Warriors are going to play. I agree. I absolutely agree. I think that, you know, that, um, you know, first of all, Luca is, you know, he can shoot him out. Of, he can shoot himself out of the game because he played, there was one game where he was one for 10 from the three point line and Phoenix blew him out in Phoenix. Yeah. And I just don't see the Warriors with their championship pedigree experience, intelligence, coaching culture, allowing a role player to explode for 30. Don't see it happen. Luka yeah. could get it. Bronson, you know, I don't see him exploding for 30, but I could see him getting in the 20s 
you know, because he's a good player with a very unique skill set. But I also see Brunson getting abused on defense. <laughs> Who the hell is he going to guard? He can't guard Poole. He can't guard point. Clay. He can't guard anybody. I mean, there is nobody that small. So I don't see that happening. And I agree with you that everybody is going to stay home on the role player. And they're going to allow initially Luca is going to be guarded by one guy. You know, if he gets real hot and he's hitting from the logo, then you may have to bring somebody out to give him the ball yeah. up. But I see everybody staying home on defense, remaining true to their position, and and stopping all the other players but Luca Bronson. Is that the way you kind of have it envisioned? That that is how I envision it. Because I, like, let's say you did this before the Sun series, and you were to do a fantasy draft of just the Mavs and the Warriors players. And this is before the last series where a lot of people are now really high on Brunson and Dinwiddie. They weren't all season. I think, um, you know, maybe that's because they stepped into it and we were all forgetting about it. But either way, let's say you go Luca is the best player, just for argument's sake, and then you have Curry. When you go through the next six, there's a lot of warriors on there. I would say it's Draymond, Clay, Poole, Wiggins, then Brunson. Maybe you pull Brunson a little bit up. But because of that, it's like if you play an even game where Luka and Curry split the greatness battle, then it's just the battle of the other four. And I think the Warriors win that every time. And, and that's what I'm hoping for. That's... And I also think the Mavs, had a, the Mavs are an interesting team because they were able to beat the Suns by going very small, which kind of took away the Aiton factor, which is a classic Warriors move. But now you're going to have to do it on the Warriors. And we're like, thank you. We didn't want Looney out there anyway. So we'll see if it's, they're still able to look as quick and fast and high-volume scoring now that they're facing a team that's kind of built to play the exact same type of basketball. No question about it, because what's happened is Jason Kidd, when they played Utah, when they played Utah in the first round, they played small ball. And Gobert, who may be the best big man true big man in the NBA, not like Giannis, you know, like an old traditional big man who patrols the mm -hmm. paint and dunks. And he was rendered useless because of the fact that Jason Kidd was playing small ball and he couldn't get out to the perimeter to guard anybody. Yep. And why I think Draymond Green is the thing he's most furious about in the world is that Rudy Gobert has more defensive player of the year than him. Because every time the Warriors play him in the playoffs, it's like, oh, sweet, Gobert's out there. But yet he has all these depoys from the regular season. And it's like, I don't know if you can win a championship in today's NBA with a traditional center. Like, you need a Robert Williams type that the Celtics have or a Bam type that the Heat have. There's a reason Joel isn't in it. Right. I mean, there's, there's no question about it. And, and you've got such... You know, when it when it comes to Draymond, I mean, to have your power forward, you know, be your Swiss Army knife, you know, lead lead the team in steals, assists, um, and rebounds and blocks. I mean, that's just unbelievable combination. And I just I love the way he plays. 
And he is such an intense competitor that it, you know, that I, I just, I got to tell you, in my, you know, I, I do an NBA podcast with another buddy of mine and I did it today earlier and I have gold state winning in, in six games. I just don't see them, the Mavs hanging around and small ball is you're playing into the hands of golden state and the, the warriors, I mean, and it's also too, it's not like the Mavs can all of a sudden play big ball, you know, like yeah, they can pound it down to somebody and dunk because they don't have a down low presence. And I just see, I just see Golden State just running them off the court. That's what I see. And that's what I want to see. I, I also see six games because I think Luca is that great that he will definitely win a couple. Uh, I'm also the person that made a bet on the name of my firstborn child's uh, name for when we were up three one against the Cats. So I would like to not be held to this uh, six game uh, <laughs> assessment. You know, what it would be is if the Warriors did lose, I think us as a society would have to realize, oh, man, Luka may be one of the great greats. Like, if if Luka is able to get through this Warriors team with the team that he has, like, obviously it's super early in his career. But I think it's then not too far-fetched to say, man, when he's done, is he going to be better than Durant? Maybe. Is he going to be better than – you know, the Tim Duncan types, they're at like nine or 10, maybe. So, and, and I do feel with Luca, there's something different in him. You know, I don't want to say Jordan-esque because everyone says that, but when players talk trash and like, as you see the cutaway, um, as they go to commercials, a lot of times I'm, I kind of roll my eyes. Like you see Pat Beverly talking trash, but Luca always does it. And then he laughs. In this way, that's like they have no idea what I can do with them next, and it, I find it to be a little bit intimidating. So he's the wild card. Maybe he is that great. Honestly, he could be. I don't see it. I mean, I, <laughs> I got it. I just don't see it. I think the only thing that brings Golden State down is an injury, and I hate to use the I word, uh, but even with that, even even Steph going down. You know, Jordan Poole stepped up like crazy when he was out. I mean, they've got – see, that's the thing. As I see on Golden State is you have several players – you have like three or four players that could explode for 30 on any given night. And I don't see that on, on, on the maps. I see one, maybe two. And it'll be interesting to see what they do with Bronson. What do you, what is, who do you think is going to guard Bronson? Yeah, I think you put Curry on him. I mean, Curry is a much better defender this year than he's ever been before. And he's our smallest player. So why not put him on the opposing smallest player? Uh, that would be what I would do. And then you put Clay on Dinwiddie, as you mentioned earlier. And Finney Smith, right? Isn't he their other, their wing? Yep. And he's, you know, Finney Smith is that last option that whoever is not guarding any of these other three players we mentioned, they're kind of rolling onto him. You know, that's where Wiggins might go when Draymond's facing Luka and the paint. Maybe that's the person that Draymond's sagging off a little bit while he's trying to get steals from. Finney Smith is not the scariest person in my eyes. But you did mention something that I think if you want my most original Warriors take, 
uh, especially on this season, I'll give it to you. Please. Where you mentioned if Curry goes down, Poole stepped in and he did fantastic. And it's something I noticed this year that's very interesting to me. There was this whole debate about is Clay top 75? And what was interesting is Draymond never once put his name in that race. But I think Draymond is so much more a key to the greatness of all these players than even the media and the real analysts realize. And when you think of the Warriors season, as you mentioned, Curry went down for a portion of it, and the team didn't miss a beat. And all of a sudden, Poole looked eerily similar to Curry. And Draymond was like, it's awesome. I get to do these same screens and little flip passes, and he can be that player. And everyone thinks of Draymond as this defensive presence. But what I don't think they realize is when he has six points and eight assists, he has actually 16 assists that are hockey assists. And he is the key to the entire Warriors offensive engine. So I think, as you said, we could sneak a couple games in without Curry. But if Draymond was out, I don't think we could. I don't think we could. It's a completely yes. different team with Draymond. And, like, when Draymond was out this year – all of a sudden, like, Curry was no longer in the MVP consideration. Jordan Poole was slumping. It was right after Wiggins was named an all-star, and everyone was wondering, why is he an all-star? And Draymond came back, what, six days or so before the playoffs started? And now all of a sudden you're seeing Poole be great again, Curry be great again. Clay is, you know, hitting seven threes in a game. I think it's all Draymond. And I don't think he gets the credit he deserves as a part of his dynasty. I mean, there's no question about it. He's the engine for the car. You know, he does so many things, and he guards the toughest player. He's tough as nails. Plus the fact you're right. He gets – he gets he's probably averaging eight assists, seven, eight assists. But he's also – you know, the ball goes into him, and he passes to somebody else, and they pass to somebody else, and they're wide open. And that yep. starts with Draymond, and he really is the cog in the wheel. You know, assuming that he doesn't go down, if he goes down, it's going to be very tough to win yeah. because you, is you have a lot of interchangeable parts, but you can't ask Looney to do what Draymond does. He just doesn't have the skill set. Yeah, he can rebound and play defense, but he's not going to get the passes. He's not going to, you know, he, he's just not going to do everything that Draymond can do. And I, you're right that Draymond is underappreciated, except for us really knowledgeable <laughs> basketball fans, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, to all the listeners out there, I, I challenge you to watch a little bit of Draymond offensively. I know your eyes automatically go to Clay and Curry. Um but when he sits there at the top of the paint and he does that, like, pass out to Curry, you see him run around, and he's averaging, like, two screens of possession. And I think that's that can't-teach hustle is when you've just been guarding the best player, you run back and then give that third screen that pops Clay open. I think that's a secret. Like, Clay is the whole thing. Clay doesn't have to dribble the score. It's because of – even when Draymond doesn't have the ball, he is still creating offense for the team in a very unique way. You know, if I was, if I was a high school coach and I wanted to, like, tell 
my very athletic uh, player that unfortunately couldn't shoot, I would show him some Draymond clips and say, you know, this is what you can do. Like, even when you're not, you don't have the ball in your hands, there is so much you can do for your teammates. So that, that's my favorite thing I think about Draymond as the years go on is the amount of screens all the time. And well, yes, he, he's, he's so good. And it's also, I'm looking for Kominga to step up too. And you know what's good about having like these, you know, the Jordan Poole, the Looney, the, um, you know, the Andrew Wiggins is you've got your three core are used to the spotlight and you know the moment is not too big for them. And that will help somebody new like Kominga and Poole to really focus on their roles. And they know, I mean, what a crutch it would be to have these three guys with this championship experience, you know, encouraging you, giving you, giving you direction on the court. And also sensing that if you're hot, they're going to give you the ball. This is, this is just, I'm really excited about this because once again, I love the culture. I love the way Golden State was built. No super team. This was all development. They're taking lower draft picks and making them viable entities on a potential championship team. Yeah, I love it. It, it really I love is it, cool Justin. to watch. It remind, you know, I love it too. And I, you said you're from LA. I'm a big Rams fan too, surprisingly. In a lot of ways, although it doesn't seem similar, they strike me as similar teams because the culture is based on legitimate love. And I remember when the Rams won their Super Bowl and I was all excited. They had these like mic'd up clips and one thing that struck me was I didn't know if Matthew Stafford knew any other words besides I love you, bro. Because it was like five minutes of Matt Stafford going to every single one of his teammates and saying, I love you, bro. I love you. We can do this. We can do this. And it reminded me of when Tom Brady before the Super Bowl against the Chiefs where they just came out of nowhere and exploded. He texted every single person on their 50-plus man roster, we got this. I love you all. We're going to win the Super Bowl the morning of it, like 3.30 a.m. whenever Tom Brady wakes up. But I think that's that culture we keep getting to, which is just, you know, it really pays dividends to care about the people you work with. There's no question about it. And I see that they're, they're, they parallel themselves very closely, the Rams and the Warriors, because you have selfless stars that are focused on winning. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. let's face it, you know, the Rams in L.A., they're superstars now. And Aaron Donald and Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup and Jalen Ramsey and all of their – and I'm missing a couple. Andrew Whitworth, who is now retired. But those guys are focused on winning, right? They're not focused mm-hmm. on, you know, going out and, you know – like like Durant and you know Draymond Green hurt my feelings, so I'm leaving. <laughs> you know, it's like oh, I've got uh, some anxiety, and they're only paying me forty million, so I'm not going to play like Ben Simmons or Harden closing down nightclubs. I mean, these guys are dedicated to their craft. They're selfless 
individuals who are part of a team and all they want to do is win. Everything they do is about winning. It's not about themselves. It's about winning. And I see the parallels in the two cultures, Justin. I think that's a really good call out. And it's the coach too. I like uh, McVeigh is one of the most positive human beings I've ever seen. And Kerr is a very positive human being. And then you have like that defensive presence with Donald and Draymond that, as you said, like they really only care about one thing. And then you can add pieces like an OBJ and Von Miller. And I know those are superstars, so it's a little bit different. But the ability to plug and play these superstars on the Rams that in football, that's not normally how they do it. You know, it's still many times. But the reason it worked on that team is that culture that they kind of, you know, created there. Where, all right, if you want to come to this team, there's only one thing we care about, and it's playing your role and winning. And you had OBJ that a lot of people thought was a diva, you know, playing a perfect second fiddle. I hope we get him back, too. hope we get him back. Yeah, I hope so, too. And I know that uh, you're good friends with uh, Christian, and uh, and Gange and you know we did a uh, podcast on the Rams uh, on the Rams winning the Super Bowl. So and he does a Padres podcast. So all right, we're at the forty-five minute mark. What do you think's going to happen? Tell me how you think things are going to unf- unfold tonight. All right. Well, everybody, uh, if you're hearing this after the fact, I'll rate what I'd heard. I see the Warriors starting off a little bit slow. And the Mavs coming in really hot, really expecting to win and tiring themselves out a little bit. The Warriors, I think one of the great things about them having been here before is they're thinking, I think, a little bit more than the other teams are. So give them one or two quarters. By the time Kerr gives like his halftime readjustment, that third quarter, we're going to see some vintage clay fourth quarter hopefully some vintage curry and you know i'll throw a little spice in here just to see how right i can be if they play kaminga against the bench players on the Mavs, which is where i think he needs to be i don't know why we thought he should be starting i could see him getting over 10 points you know like putting his stamp getting 12 or 14 points on the game i see that too and that was a game against uh against Memphis where he had 18 points in 18 minutes. So he can be explosive. He plays defense. I like your scenario. And I guess the game is going to start, what, in a couple hours, right? In a couple hours, I will be up till uh, 1.30 a.m. because no one on the East Coast watches our nice little West Coast teams. Uh, but I'll be there. And, you know, Jim, I, I had a great time on the podcast. Hopefully the Warriors can pull it out and we can do a, a prelude for the championship. Absolutely. And what I'd like to do is, uh, you know, like this is this is a bit of a longer podcast because we're getting to know each other. We're getting to understand how we each other thinks. I think it would be really fun after, you know, in oh, a couple of days, maybe early next week, to have another touch base see how the series is going and see how our predictions were going. Now, what I like to do in my podcast is, is Justin, I thank you for joining me. It's an open mic. Say whatever you would like about the Warriors, about the NBA, about whatever you think is going to happen. It's all yours in summation. What are your thoughts? Oh, okay. Uh, In summation, 
if you are, you know, raising your kids and you're trying to understand how do I teach them to be a better person, you, uh, you show them the 30 for 30 that they're going to make on the Warriors. And it'll teach you a lot about life and how to be a champion in your own way. So that's what I'll say. I do have, you know, if we are going to come back on, I thought you never asked for another podcast. I do have a prediction I would like to hear from you. Who do you think will score more points in game one? Curry, Poole, or Clay Thompson? I think it's going to be – I mean, the obvious answer is Curry. I mean, that's who I think is – you know, so here's what I think. If it's a close game, I think it'll be Curry. If it's a blowout, I think it's going to be Poole. If it's a if it's a ten point game, I think it'll be Clay. How's that for hedging my bets? I I, I will write that down so I can uh, you know fact check you on uh, on our next pod. I love that. And what about you? <laughs> what do you think? Um, I, I think you had a pretty good analysis. I think it will be a Jordan Pool game. Is what I think. If I had to put myself out there, I think they're going to try really hard to guard Curry. Clay Thompson doesn't usually come alive until he can blank out all of his feelings in game five or game six. Uh, so I'm going to go pool. Okay, and I got another prediction here. Assuming Wiggins is guarding Luka, that Luka will be less than 30%, 30% or less from three-point land while Wiggins oh, is on. okay. I will say that. I will predict 40 points from Luca, though. <laughs> I, I think, I think he's going to have, I think he's going to have 28 and 20 of them will be in the first, it, 20 of them will be in the first half. Okay. I, you know, I like the fact that you think it's going to be a lot more in the first half. I would agree with that. Well, I'm going to take all these little things. I'm going to, See if they fit into uh, my draft game gap. Uh, see right. if we'll make or lose some money on our prediction. Listen, Justin, I thank you profusely. Did you have fun? Isn't this a blast? I, I had a blast. I mean, whenever whenever you're looking for more Warriors talk, you know, I'm also a Rams fan and a, a USC fan. So I may overlap with uh, Christian Gange there, but I'm, I'm happy to jump on whenever you'll have me. Well, you are the official who gives a shit files consultant for the Golden State Warriors? So welcome, an and you and you could put that on your resume. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to use a couple asterisks, but uh, I think I can fit it in. <laughs> All right, Justin, thank you, and we will do this again. I'm great. Have a great day.